Hello everybody, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. Again, it is always a joy to be with you guys today. Thank you for those who faithfully listen week after week. We have a new show every Monday and Thursday streaming through CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. It's also on the Charisma Plus app. Um, I release tons of articles on CharismaNews.com, about four or five articles a month there on that um, tremendous outlet there that is encouraging to the body of Christ. And so go to charismanews.com. You can go to the search engine, type in Michael Lombardo, and I've got probably 20 to 30 articles on there, you know, over the past year and a half. Um, as well, you could just tune into Awaken Podcast through Audible. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to. Thank you for spreading the word. If you've been blessed by this show, the interviews that I do, the solo teaching shows that I do, make sure to tell family members, friends, um, share with them your favorite episode, an episode that really blessed you, um, and make sure to get the word out. It really, really helps. We, Our desire is um, not so much of a show with so many downloads for the sake of having a successful show, but the point of this really is to get this out to as many people as possible so they could be encouraged, strengthened, and awakened to the beautiful gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We share testimony after testimony on this show, sharing prophetic messages, we're sharing deep theological truth. Um, dive into the word of God. So, you know, we know knowing the truth sets us free. And so we need to dispel lies, religious lies, and dive deep into the word of God so that we can truly walk in freedom by embracing the truth. And so all this is very important. Every single show is different. If you stream, we've got over 100 episodes now. If you go through, um, like, let's say on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you see over 100 shows. You can scroll through, see all the people I've interviewed, all the titles of the shows, so many different topics that we have hit on in the past year and a half. And so... Go ahead, enjoy that. It's free, hours of content there. And so we are in part two of our series called First Love Passion or First Love Fire. And we are going to, in, in part one, pretty much just to, uh, for those of you who didn't listen to part one, make sure to do that because I laid a foundation there. But in part one, we talked about the fire of God. We talked about the fire of God being the love of God. And as we encounter him, walk with him, spend time in his presence, our heart burns as well. And that first love does not need to be a honeymoon phase in our life. We can go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. There is no reason for that to wane or die out in our lives. And so, and I share some stories about my encounters with the fire of God and the baptism of love, and I share different things like that. But in this episode here, I want to start talking about, actually in the next several episodes, I want to talk about reasons why we lose our first love, hindrances to first love. Okay, and so this show, it's not going to be long. I am going to break down two scriptures specifically here. And the first one I'm going to tackle is idolatry, our second love. Okay, the reason why we lose our first love is because of our second love, because we put other things as more important and vital in our lives. I want to read 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Uh, one, this is 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. I'm going to read it of the Passion Translation. And before I do that, you know, a lot of people don't really understand the word idolatry. If you go into the Old Testament and you see idols, you know, you see these these idols that people would go to and they would offer sacrifices and they would worship Molech and they would worship Baal and they would worship these different gods, even sacrifice their children, sacrifice animals. They would do these horrific things and there was these golden statues or wooden statues um, that people would go and worship and they wouldn't worship the one true God. And that was in the, that was in, you know, the days, days of old. And we read about it in the Old Testament. But now, you know, there are still cultures. I've traveled the world. 
Okay, I've traveled the world all over Asia and I've seen golden statues to different gods in Cambodia. I've seen them in Thailand and Laos, Indonesia, all over Asia and India. It is rampant in India. And so these things are still taking place. People are still worshiping animals and worshiping, um, worshiping these different idols and gods that they've erected and created themselves. So in other parts of the world, they, they would really relate and it's relevant to them to read Old Testament passages because that is still something that is prevalent in this time time in the 21st century but here in the western world we don't worship idols and statues we worship intellect and we worship pleasure and we worship entertainment we worship money and we worship church even okay we worship a lot of different things in our life things that are more important things that we serve things that we give everything to things that we live for those are idols okay and the reason why we lose first love is our is because of our second love it's things that we worship things that we serve things that we invest all of our time energy and resources into and jesus begins to take the back seat in our lives okay and it's written all about in scripture read the read the word of god in the new covenant the apostle paul john Peter, we they talk about these things. They might not use the word idolatry, and Paul actually does, and several apostles do, but it's it's worded differently, okay? And so I'm gonna read first John two, verse fifteen through seventeen. And this is out of the Passion Translation. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world, or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. And this world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God live forever. All right, this is very important. Just that last sentence. Let's just go there for a second. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God live forever. If you love to do the will of God, if you say, not my will, but yours be done, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. Whatever you need to take away, whatever you need to break off, whatever you need to impart, whatever you need to empower in my life, do it. I want to live for you. It is by your word that I am alive. I cannot live off bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I am hungry for you. I don't want to do anything unless you initiate me doing it. I don't want to say anything unless you tell me to say it. I don't want to do anything unless I see you doing it first. Just like Jesus, he would not do anything unless the Father, unless you saw the Father doing it. He would not say anything unless you heard the Father say it. He was, uh, he wouldn't, he was, everything he did was initiated by the Father first. Even the prophet Samuel in the Old Testament, not one of his words fell to the ground because he spoke the words of God. He was careful with his tongue. Even Jesus said that we will be accountable for every idle word that comes from our mouths. And so many of us just release idle words every single day. Myself is guilty of that. And so I just want to share that those who love the will of God, okay? And listen, this talks about not being obsessed with the things of the world, status, um, importance, um, money, fame, you know, gratifying our flesh, okay, with all kinds of sexual indulgences, drug indulgences, things that would bring satisfaction or pleasure, things that we would pursue that the world deems as being cool, relevant, um, you know, uh, to you're, you're successful if you look like this, if you do this, if you have this much money in your bank account, whatever it might be. And for those who love the will of God, are we just going to live in poverty? Are we just going to live 
a horrific life, just lacking and being persecuted and just being hated and we're going to have no pleasures and nothing in our life. No, that's Gnosticism. This idea that anything in the natural world is evil and anything in the spirit world is good. Jesus and his incarnation completely destroyed that idea because Jesus was fully God and fully man. He had tangible skin, okay? He wasn't a spirit being that we couldn't touch. No, he had flesh and he still does. He's a glorified man at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus appeared after his resurrection, Thomas could touch the scars on his side and on his hands, all right? He was able to eat food. Jesus is a tangible human being, a glorified human being, the firstborn among all of creation, okay? So he was is the first one resurrected and glorified and we will follow suit in the day of his glory and coming but listen this is very important because the tangible world isn't evil okay um it's it's not just the spiritual things are good and the tangible world is evil no jesus destroyed that gnostic idea with the incarnation being baptized into our life and existence okay but there needs to be moderation with some of these things is there's a lot of godly, beautiful people that do have status, importance and money, but that's not their pursuit in life. That is not their everything in life. OK, if you're just living for money, living for fame, living for status and Jesus is in the back burner, you say, oh, thank you, God, maybe later or whatever. I don't need God for all these different things. But you're focusing on these you, you every day. You're going to sleep thinking about different ways you can make money. It's like you're worshiping. It's a spirit of mammon where you so you can't give write a big check for 10,000 because, hey, listen, I might have 30 grand in my bank account, but I can't write a check for five or 10 grand if God asked me to. Oh, well, maybe money's more important to you than you think it is, okay? And so these things, it's very important. God, you know, if we, if our hearts are pure and we love to do the will of God, we will, you know, God is not going to withhold blessing from us. The word of God talks about how the Lord will provide for us and that he became poor so that we could become rich. And the Lord, he, he adds riches to our lives and no sorrow to it. He makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. And in the Old Testament, there were so many amazing natural, you know, material blessings the Lord would bring to his people. So those who love God, and he is the center of their heart. He is the most important aspect of their lives. They love to do the will of God. They love him more than anything else. Yes, they will have status and importance and they will be able to enjoy life and they will be able to have, you know, amazing times and see the world and do great things. But that's not what they're after. That's not, they're not enslaved to those things in their heart. Okay. They're, there are, there are slaves of righteousness. They love to do the will of God and good things come. Okay. They're not pursuing the things, obsessed with the things and the will of God and loving the will of God and walking with the Lord is last place in their lives. Does that make sense? That is very, very important. It is not money that is evil. It is the love of money. It is that money having you, which is evil. And so in first John is just talking about, you cannot love these things, obsess over these things, you know, just crave these things, serve these things, worship these things and love the father at the same time because the love for the things of the world and the love of the father are incompatible. Do not set your affections on those things. Love to do the will of God and all these, everything else will line up. Just like Jesus said as well in the gospels, he says, seek first the kingdom and righteousness and all of these blessings will, will come to you and will be added to you. Don't worry about where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about how you're going to be provided for. Just seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and the rest shall be added to you. And I'm really just going to dive into Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower. And so Jesus was kind enough to explain this parable 
okay? He didn't explain all of his parables. And so we're, you know, we're still debating and arguing over what some things mean in the word. But he did explain this parable. Sorry, I took a drink right there. So in Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, he, sa- he shares the parable. And then verses 18 through 23, he explains the parable. So I'm just going to read it to you. And then we're going to take our time to work through it a little bit. And so Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. And I'm going to stop there briefly. Well, Jesus, after that, he says, and those who have ears to hear, let him hear. And now Jesus is going to be explaining what this parable means. So actually, let's just go to verse 18. I'll read that and then we'll break this down. Verse 18, listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. So pretty much the first one where it says, Okay, the sower went out to sow seed. Some fell on the roadside and birds came and ate them up. It's pretty much saying, to me, this is an unbeliever. When someone hears the word of the kingdom, but they don't understand it, they don't receive it, they don't grasp it, and the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches it away, all the seeds that were sown into that individual's heart. And so they heard the word, it went in, but they didn't understand it, they didn't grasp it, they didn't receive it, it didn't germinate into anything, and the enemy comes and steals it away. So that is one, in my mind, in my heart, to me, that that is an unbeliever. Now the next verse, the one sown with seed on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. Okay, so this is very, very important. So the one sown with seed on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. How many people, I don't know, when I first got saved, I told all my friends about the Lord, okay? I told ex-girlfriends, I told my my close friends, and 90% of them thought I was crazy and talked all kinds of smack to me. Some prayed with me and received the Lord because they saw the change in my life. Um, But I think that a lot of people, depends on what version of the gospel they hear, but they just want a change in their life. They just want goodness. They want joy again. They want God to fix all their problems. They hear the word and, you know, oh, wow, I could live in righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'm a sinner, but I could be saved. I could be, I can go to heaven, all this good stuff. They receive it with joy, yet they do not lay a foundation in their lives. There's no foundation of the word. There is no deep root inside of them that keeps them firm when the weather conditions come, when the harsh weather conditions come. So it is temporary when affliction and persecution comes because of the word, then they wind up falling away. All right. And so this happens so, to, to so many people, okay, where, you know, I know one specifically that when I got saved, I led them to the Lord and they would go to church maybe for a couple months and then, you know, life stayed hard. You know, things didn't change automatically for them. They didn't have peace every waking moment and there was still natural hard circumstances in my life too. When I first got saved, God didn't just swipe a a paintbrush across my life and make everything majestic color. And there was no issues in my life anymore. No, I I made a mess of my life. I dug myself into a pit and into a ditch. And there were certain things that he delivered me from like drug addiction, 
delivered me 100% haven't craved a drug or done a drug since 2008 and I was an addict because God touched me and broke that off of my life but there was other things I had some legal repercussions in my life because I was driving drunk and I got into a car accident my license was revoked for a year okay and so there was you know things that I I had to face my consequences you know the consequences of my actions and you know I still struggle with depression and fear and that was a journey with the Lord where I needed to get a root a firm root in me. I need to lay a foundation of the word of God in my life. I need to be faithful. I need to spend time with the Lord. I need to allow him to minister to me. I need to open my heart to him. And he was the one that would lay the foundation in my life and put a a deep root that cannot easily be pulled out inside of my heart. But if we just hear the word and we receive it with joy, hoping that everything's going to be perfect, everything's going to be good. My life's going to be great. I'm going to heaven. You know, I'm forgiven. Awesome. I'm going to have peace unspeakable and full of glory. And then what happens? Persecution affliction because of the word. Maybe someone starts to talk trash to you because, oh, you believe in Jesus. You're a Bible thumper, holy roller. This is temporary. We know you. You jump on the bandwagons and you fall off. This is going to be temporary. You're nothing. You're a scumbag. Blah, 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 blah. I've had people say, and I know, I've heard stories and also myself personally where people would just think like, okay, dude, like you, you know how many bad things you've done or you're trying to justify you know, all the bad things that you've done. You're trying to placate your conscience. Like, what are you trying to do here by all these good works and coming to Jesus? And then, oh man, maybe you get offended. Maybe you get hurt and you fall away because you didn't have a firm foundation and you didn't have a root in yourself. And this is verse 22 is really where we're going at in terms of the theme. But the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the world and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful okay now we're talking about second love all right and i know because i've had a couple times in my life where other things were more important to me than jesus and i felt like he became my second love not my first love and don't get me wrong that doesn't mean we stay in uh, the house of prayer all day and worship all day we have responsibilities i'm married i have two kids i want to spend time with them there's a lot of responsibilities and demands with being a father and i work and i I, and i have a ministry and there's a lot of demands on my life personally and yes but people get concerned about wealth about storing up wealth and people get nervous and anxious about the condition of the world and the things of the world and and how they look to others having the nicest car the nicest house you know being the person in the church maybe an elder being someone of importance someone who is spiritual they they care more about how they are seen how they are viewed how people you know think of them what then then what god thinks about them and and the, and who their stature is in heaven because of the finished work of christ they're less obsessed with who christ is and what he did in them and what he wants to do through them and they're more concerned about the natural things that will pass away but the word of god and those who do his will will live forever it is a beautiful thing and so we cannot be focused on the tangible temporal in one moment the skies can be rolled up heaven and earth can pass away but what matters more than anything is the eternal realm and we need to keep our mind and our heart set upon things above where christ is and we are seated with him in the heavenly places covered and protected by christ and so we cannot allow the deceitfulness of wealth to choke the word out of our lives so that we become unfruitful it does not say we become unsaved it says we become unfruitful i do not want to be a christian who is unfruitful i don't want to be saved and get to heaven you know smelling like smoke okay <laughs> just kidding but i don't want to get to heaven okay and all of my works go through the fire and I'm left with wood, hay and stubble. Just, I made it, I made it to heaven, but at the same time, I got nothing to show for myself. I want to make an eternal 
impact. I want to take people with me. I want to stand before the Lord Jesus and have an army of people behind me that I influenced for the Lord, that I led to the Lord. I want to make an impact in this temporal life, in the very short fleeting amount of time that I have. I want to make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why me and my wife travel the world preaching the gospel. That's why we go in the mission field. That's why we give the resources that we have. I could just work and make money. I could just you know, be all about the American dream. I've got a job. We thrive in business. God has blessed us in many ways. I could just focus on that and make more money and build a kingdom for myself. Or I can do that because God put that in my hand to do work and you know, to work like a man, to provide for my family, to do business, to make money, but not just so I could build the kingdom for myself. No, so I could build the kingdom of God and I could empty my bank account whenever God wants me to. I could give when there is a need and I could have leave a legacy for my kids and for my family and at the same time, make time to minister the word of God and be a daily minister of the gospel by the gift of his grace, by the working of his power, like the apostle Paul said. And so I cannot allow the deceitfulness of wealth to choke away my fruitfulness. If the devil can't get you in sin, he'll try anything to get you distracted, to cut off your fruitfulness. He's not scared of an unfruitful Christian. He's, he's scared of those who abide, who have a firm root in themselves, who have a, have a strong foundation. So when, when winds and, and hurricanes and, and, and rain hit your house, you will not crumble because you have a strong foundation, not on the sand, but on the rock, who is Jesus. And so the anxiety of life, you know, the world is, you know, doesn't matter what is taking place in the world. It doesn't matter what kind of virus is out there. It doesn't matter what, you know, the economy is doing. It doesn't matter what kind of persecution is happening against Christians. You know, we are, we are in good company. Okay. <laughs> the Bible believing Christians, all the apostles of all died as martyrs, except the apostle John, they were crucified. They were filleted. They were set on fire. Like we're complaining about we're complaining about the, about the persecutions we have about being banned off social media or having people talk, you know, evil about Christians or judging Christians. Okay. But you know, we could have it in the days of Nero when Christians are being set on fire, like candles and streetlights down the road. Like this is serious stuff. And so we need to stop complaining and we need to realize the, the, the world is full of anxious troubles, but we have overcome the world because Christ overcame the world and his spirit lives on the inside of us. Will we struggle? Will, will there be afflictions and persecutions like Jesus is saying? Absolutely. But you need to get a firm root in yourself. You need to get a strong foundation. You need to not allow the anxieties of this world to be your focus. You need to not allow wealth and promotion and success and money to be the things that that have your heart. Money's supposed to work for you. You're not supposed to work for money. You're not supposed to be enslaved by it. And so verse 23, I'm going to end with this. And I'm going to read it in Matthew. And there's also the same parable in, in the gospel of Luke. And I like the way he says it even better a little bit. Matthew 13, but the one who has sown the seed on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30 times as much. Or 100 times as much, excuse me. And so, this is saying, the seeds that are sown on good soil, a pure heart, a humble heart, one that recognizes I uh, contrite spirit, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Apart from you, I can do nothing. But in you, I am everything and I have all things. I love you and I love to do your will. Whatever you want to do in my life, do it. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. A heart that is yielded, a heart that is just focused, your attention, your affection on the Lord, on his cross, on what he has done, on who he is and who we are in him. When you receive it with a pure heart, 
we bear fruit and it produces 160 and 30 in our lives, just bears massive harvest of righteousness in our lives, um, eternal harvest as well as a natural harvest in our lives. And then Luke 8, 15, it just highlights it a little bit differently. And it says, but the seed and good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with a good and virtuous heart and they hold it firmly and they produce fruit with perseverance. That is very, very important because you think about it this way. Think about it this way. When you sow a seed in the ground, there's process. It doesn't just spring up to a massive harvest the next day. That'd be miraculous. We'd go nuts. No, it takes time. There's, there's seasons, okay? And it needs the right elements and environment. It needs the proper soil. The soil, doesn't. it can't be hard. It can't be you know, all the fallow ground. We need to break up the fallow ground. We need to have the right fertilizer. We need the sunlight. We have to do certain things. And the seed over time, it grows and it starts off small, minuscule, and it grows and it grows and it grows. And it takes times. It takes seasons. It takes years sometimes. And so we bear fruit with perseverance. You can't expect an immediate harvest. I know we are in a life where, you know, we just want instant results because we have knowledge at our fingertips and we could, you know, whatever the the answer is, we can get it right now. You know, we are uh, <laughs> we are not a microwave, okay? God wants us to be a crock pot. He wants us to cook slowly. We cook slowly. We mature. We we, we spring up and time in, in his presence and time, you know, with the right elements of his word and relationships and and com- yeah, community and relationships and and just going through stuff, going through harsh seasons, you know, and we and we and we come through like gold and we we wait and we persevere and we endure and we produce fruit. We hold firmly to the word that was planted in our hearts with a good and virtuous heart and spirit. And so that's very, very important. And so today we broke down idolatry and first love. And I just want to say, you know, there's nothing better. There's nothing this world could offer you that is better than Jesus. He is the wine. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasure forevermore. His love is more intoxicating than wine. There's no success. There's no, there's nothing that could fill you and could make you happy. Look at the movie stars and look at the sports you know, athletes that are rich and famous that have everything they want, beautiful wife, beautiful husband, millions and millions of dollars in their bank account, a massive house, status, everything you could possibly ask for, every toy that you could possibly want. And look, people committing suicides, alcoholics, drug addicts, miserable, unhappy. None of these things could fill us. We were created for him. And only in knowing him, we find life. And so... If we truly love to do the will of God, we will live forever and we will live with righteousness, joy, and peace forevermore in the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom of God. And when that is right, and when our heart is attentive to the voice of God, and when our, when we are living in love with the Lord, why? Because he's madly in love with us. That is our, that is our foundation. God is madly in love with us. He is head over heels in love with us. Just one glance of our eye overwhelms his heart. His thoughts towards us are innumerable, more than the sand on the seashore. And it's good thoughts to prosper us, to bless us, to give us a hope and a bright future, to prosper us. This is who he is, that for the joy set before him, he endured that cross and that joy was us, sons and daughters. And so when we know that, that he's madly in love with us, we could live in love with him when we love to do his will. And that is the focal point of our lives. Then everything else will come. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else shall be added to you. And so bless you guys. 
um, next um, on the next uh, part three, we'll be breaking down something else that can steal or hinder our first love. But pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they could be spiritually awakened to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we uh, so they could just encounter him in deep ways. It's really a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And I'll talk to you next time on Awakened Podcast. Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope-Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know, uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith, and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if with, with a purchase of $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible store, so make sure to go to thehopefilledjourney.com today.